Frank. This is episode, what is it, 281? Something like that. It's not, it's not, it's not technically 280 for a lightning topic round, but you know, it was .NET Conf last week and .NET 6 and all things VS 2022. We couldn't, we couldn't do it. I felt like we had to do that episode at that time, right? Plus, it's really, really classic for us to be off by one on these lightning topic episodes. I think we've made like <laughs> this Mia Copa like two times, three times in the history of the show. So I do not feel bad at all being at episode whatever 281 for a lightning talk. This is a lightning talk. I'm excited because I totally forgot until you started rattling off a, bu- a bunch of topics. I was like, oh, geez, it's one of those. So I'm excited. <laughs> I'm a big fan because if you're a new listener to the podcast because you saw our podcast highlighted at Donet Conf one, we appreciate you being here. We are here every single Monday talking about awesome things in tech and specifically every 10th episode, usually on the zero, we like to do lightning topics. These are things that you've asked us to talk about, but we've been too lazy to do a full episode on. So we do five minutes, six topic total, 30 minutes, breaking it down. Number one, Frank, app sales. Now, technically not app sales, but in-app upgrade update sales for everybody because about how many episodes ago 20 episodes ago <laughs> i did a maybe it was the last lightning topic no it was episode 271 oh, literally 10 episodes ago how not to monetize an app we talked about how to set a sort of productize and feature big major releases and updates in your app and for my cadence my bicycle bluetooth application I added a big, huge update to it, which was like history and starting and stop rides and um, a bunch of other customizations. It was a big deal. I mean, I put a whole database in my app and I wanted to celebrate that. So I released the app update. I originally didn't do any work and I didn't really see any difference in sales at all. So I made this little Mm. screen that pops up and I basically copied Apple that pops up when there's an update. Nobody reads it, just hits continue. But I was like, no, 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 continue or buy the upgrade now to talk about these new features. And Frank, it's been out for a month and I got sales updates for you. Okay, okay. I, I feel like we did a whole series, but no, that was more on the Island Tracker account system. The, but this feels like it's it's along those lines. I'm excited for this update. I do have to say, I had to push you a little bit to get the um, upgrade to Pro Plus Deluxe version. Um, yeah. So I'm really excited to hear how that button has performed. Uh, so are you a billionaire? James, let's start there. Well, one, I'm not a billionaire because, uh, you know, you know, the sales aren't like the most spectacular thing in the world. However, you know, it's definitely taco money. If you want to put it that way, it could be, <laughs> it could, I could, it could eat a little bit off of the money, but it's not a lot. So, so in, when the first app came, the app first came out pro did pretty well. So on iOS, for example, I was around 30, 20 to 30 upgrades, like one a day, basically. I was getting, but then in the summer months, now it was a summer months really dropped down. Um, but, uh, you know, so, so like August and September were 16 and seven. And at the end of September, that's when I put in the pop-up. So October jumped the sales back up to 20. So it actually, um, from seven to 20 and this month already we are at 12 and we still have half to go. So uh, I will say there's a boost there over on uh, Android, this was the biggest month. October was the <laughs> biggest month that I've ever had. Um, normally I was ranging around like $40 a month. It dropped down to 20. So like it, the, the curves match mm-hmm. on iOS and Android, by the way. So they kind of curve down, bop, bop, bop. 
And then it went from about $35 to $40 up to $60. So that's a 50% increase in sales between uh, the two uh, of them, I would say. So, and, and on iOS specifically, it, it jumped nearly double uh, month over month, which is a, a pretty big deal, I would say. Now, I, I can't contribute it to the button, uh, <laughs> but I think, I think a little bit has to do with the button. I'm going to take full credit for your double sales. Yeah, that, that's what's going to happen here. It's okay. So super promising. I, I'm always hesitant because one month is hard to judge for yeah. me. Like uh, my apps are definitely seasonal. <laughs> I do so much better in the fall and the winter than I do in the summer. And so there are just upticks like that that happen naturally. But a 2x update, you know, or... um. <laughs> whatever you want to call it, <laughs> increase, uh, that's uh, that's substantial. We can't do the stats on it until we have multiple months, but I'm liking it. And if nothing else, uh, I do wish you had analytics on that button, though, because I would like to know how many people are hitting it from the uh, what's new screen. We both concluded that as good app developers, we have to be putting what's new screens into our apps. They are slightly annoying, but... Um, how else can you expose these features that you spend so much time on? Especially, you were saying, like, you're not calling these app sales, you're calling them an app things. But, I mean, that's what app sales are these days. So, yeah, let's roll with it. I'm, I'm proud of you. Good job. Yeah. And the reason I can't track them, in case anyone is curious, is because this app, I made a firm stance that it was going to require zero permissions. And I was going to mm -hmm. have zero checkboxes everywhere. And specifically, people were, on, uh, one or two people on the review cited that they were excited that 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 uh, finally a developer like stuck <laughs> to the word of like not actually putting anything in the app. So it requires zero permission, does not even require internet permission at all to work. Um, so I did that. Um, and, and I Don't made you need promise. Bluetooth? You gotta have a Bluetooth. Uh, I do have Bluetooth, Bluetooth <laughs> permission, but you know yeah. that's not one of the ones you know on iOS where you gotta right. you gotta put in the things that you're using and ad tracking and all that stuff. So I thought about putting in App Center analytics or something else, but you know, then I got yeah. internet, all this other stuff. I probably should have, but I didn't. So I don't know. No, it's, it's great. It's great. Um, cool. So what are your plans? I, I hate to push you in the future because this was a big update and everything. You're just going to let it ride so we can collect some statistics and all that mm. stuff. Or do you already have like the next, uh, pro pro plus plus feature <laughs> planned out? I do not. The one thing I really want to do is the latest version of Android finally got rid of the need to, declare location uh for getting access to bluetooth oh. so i would like to fix that up uh in in a new release just for the new 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 versions of android because it's super annoying uh and uh, that would be it so no holiday hacks for this application i <laughs> really feel like it's really almost feature complete at this point i'm feeling pretty good about it you just had to say holiday hacks. I totally forgot about holiday hacks. Oh, no. Now I have to come up with some holiday hacks. We, we've still got a month left before we do that episode, everyone. So yeah, we'll get there. Uh, all right. Awesome. Uh, I don't know what else to ask about it because sales, you know, I'm not I'm not a good salesperson. So I'm, I'm just trying to live through you and find out what works and what doesn't. So we're at time. We're, we're at time anyways. So on to the next topic, Frank. All right, this is a fun one because it's a programming language. One favorite C Sharp 10 features. This is easy because C Sharp just keeps getting better. Uh, I think 
people keep giving it the flack for, oh no, there's multiple ways to do one thing. We're going to talk later in this episode. I've been dealing a lot with C++ lately. It's terrible. It's the worst programming language ever developed. And so <laughs> going back to C Sharp and seeing the beautiful features added to C Sharp just makes me happy. I love seeing the language get better. It's why I got into .NET. Enough C Sharp love. James, do you have any C Sharp 10 features that you like? Uh, mainly it boils down to two and, and one of the, one of the twos are actually two features in one. So kind of three features and, and Mads and, and Dustin describe this as shrinking your code vertically and horizontally. So the first one we'll talk about is horizontally and reclaiming Frank, those precious four spaces or one tab, if you will, in our source code, we all know it every single in every single app basically has that indentation for no good reason. And that reason is because of namespaces. And now we have file scoped namespaces. They're the best. You can just get rid of those curly braces and indent everything over and just put a semicolon behind your namespace. And you are good to go. Frank, file scoped namespaces. They're the thing of the future. I'll give it to you. All right. That's a pretty good one. I like that. Um, it's it's going to make all my old code feel old. I'm nervous about that. This happens with C Sharp sometimes. Something big happens, and then all the old code looks old. Yes. Uh, for me, it was the... Um, uh, the arrow operator on properties and methods and things like that. Mm. Code that doesn't use those just looks so old. And I got a feeling the same thing's going to apply to namespace block colon. Oh, yeah. I'm just going to, yeah, I'm going to expect that colon everywhere. Then I hear someone did like a major refactoring of their code base to do this and did, <laughs> did like a change on 5,000 files because they just blanket said, I just prefer it. Therefore, I'm writing a script and just did their whole code base. Uh, someone did it uh, to ASP.NET Core. They sent a PR <laughs> to ASP.NET Core and they did all of it, which was fantastic. If you're going to go all Insane. in, go all in. Yeah, do it. It's absolutely insane. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, the the one trick is I've noticed on the Mac you need um, VS two thousand twenty two to get your C sharp ten support. That's a blanket statement for all this, but definitely the file scope <laughs> namespace stuff. Yes, and, okay. and and you can upgrade your older applications, right? You can do Lang version as long as you're compiling against the you know in, in Visual Studio twenty twenty two or whatever the things are there. It's a compiler feature, so it's just you know it's it's not a you know you don't you don't. You can put it in an old Xamarin app for 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 all I care. You can put it anywhere. I, I just updated MVVM helpers, which is .NET standard, you know, one zero and two zero, and and that already had a lang mm -hmm. of eight, so I upgraded it to ten. Uh, but that's in there. Another one, Frank. Global and implicit usings. This is going to shrink down vertically the top space. We're, we're shifting over and now we're shifting up. So I want my applications. I want my my namespaces to be online one which means I want all my usings to be in a file called global usings. And for all the system ones, I'm going to turn on implicit usings, which are different per project type. But basically, those will bring in all the system shenanigans that are there. Um, and I'm just going to use global usings as much as I can everywhere. If I have to put a using statement in more than one or two files, I'm going to put it in a global using. Uh, and that basically says, hey, just use all these usings on every file in this entire project and go away and um, never type a, a, a using statement ever again. I love it. Mm, well, so there goes software layering. We can no longer have distinct stacks that only know how to talk to each other through very specific interfaces. Fine. Yeah. Uh, it is funny because if you install .NET 6 and .NET new, a console app, the 
the hello world is like console right line hello world there's no usings at the top there's no indentation it's yep. very awkward no it's <laughs> awesome. like I, I know okay awkward for an old timer like do um <laughs> do um do file new blank asp.net core app and it's Scary. three lines of code or four uh-huh. lines of code and it gives you a web api because it uses minimal api and it, and there's no namespaces and it also uses you know uses the the c sharp nine feature of the whatever run the, the main program thing or whatever it's amazing it's, it's like, i don't know i love it i don't know it's gonna i think that these features are just like alone and being file new you get you know nullable and you get um Im- implicit usings on by default that is going to change the game frank because just imagine you're a brand new developer like there's not all this junk around you're like learning stuff mm-hmm. for the first time i think it's going to make the code real nice yeah, for sure. Those project files can get really out of hand. And then, I mean, project files totally separate from the language, but just from that new user perspective, keeping the project file small, keeping the initial code file small, definitely yeah. good. And I was playing with it. I actually haven't had any problems. Uh, everyone always worries about name collisions. It's what we're all worried mm. about. Um, I actually did run into one. There's a type called index. No one, no, don't, don't call a type index anyone. <laughs> it's a terrible name for a type. But it turns out there's a system.index, and the library I was using had an index. Oh, so no. It's just like, I know. Like, here's a type I've never even heard of, and already its name is colliding. But that's no big deal. At the top of the file, you can actually use a using and say using index equals system.index or whichever one mm. you want. So I find that works really well. And I think you can even put that in the global usings. I think you can do uh, global aliases. Yes. Uh, it's yes. a, it's a brave new world, uh, sure. <laughs> global aliases and global static usings too. Yeah, crazy, crazy. Yeah. You're welcome. There goes console. I I I have <laughs> five eye console. I have a C sharp ten feature that is impossible to explain. So let, can okay. I just give it a shot? Sure. Um, have you ever tried to assign a lambda to a var variable? Yes. You say like. A, Yes. It's a great feature. So, it's a great feature. I already know what you're talking this about. This is the greatest feature, everyone, because it's just natural. Okay, so let me explain. Uh, the var means we don't have to type the type for the variable that we're creating. We type var. And then it implies from the right-hand side what that type should be. Fine. Works for everything. Except lambdas <laughs> and it was always frustrating because like you always felt like they had enough information there like come on come on c sharp figure it out but they wouldn't let you do var blah 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 equals a lambda and by lambda i mean the thing with the pointy arrow thing but you can now in c sharp 10 it's a proper functional programming language where it can do all the implicit conversion. The reason they didn't do it before is lambdas were actually way more flexible than delegates. Delegates are our function calling type in mm. .NET, but lambdas are actually more generic than that. They can adapt to different delegates. And so they always resisted picking a very specific type of delegate to assign it to. But we all know there's action out there. There's action of T, there's func funk of t funk of t1 funk of mm-hmm. t2 you know all the funks are out there uh there's predicate i don't know if they ever implied to predicate um i have to check that one but that was like your funk if you're returning a bool or something mm. well now var can do that it does all that for you you just put the var there and you let the compiler figure it out because it's just better that way anyway but then that was good enough all right that totally i'm happy but here's something they just had to show off a little and do something even better you can type that yourself. Instead of saying var, you could actually say expression. 
for mm. Lambda expression. Mm. And now we're meta programming people. And now you're getting an expression tree for whatever the junk is you put on the right hand side there. And let me tell you, you can put a lot of interesting junk on the right hand side. There. It's true. <laughs> and so it, it's, it's such a small feature, but at the same time, it really makes the language a lot more powerful and a lot more functional, a lot more happy to weird functional people like me that just want to make lambdas everywhere. So yeah. super digging it, super happy. Yeah, they, 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 they did use this for minimal APIs. What really powers that because a minimal API like map get map post takes in a, in a, um, a delegate or a Lambda delegate, I believe. And the other cool part too is, you know, the other thing is you could have your Lambda return an object, right? Like maybe it returns a string or an int. And mm -hmm. in that case, if you put a var, it can't figure it out because it's like, oh, I don't know what you're going to return. But what you can do is you can put the keyword object before the Lambda and it'll then figure it out. It's like, oh, cool. I got it. It's like the weirdest thing ever, but it's amazing. So it's really <laughs> yeah. Cool. And uh, Lambdas, you usually don't put the um, types of the parameters. It usually figures all that stuff out. But in mm -hmm. these cases, um, I, I think they're almost required if you're going to use the var keyword. Um, but so. it, it really should not be a, a problem at all. It's still better than typing out funk whatever on that yeah. left-hand side. <laughs> so good. So, it is so good. Well, uh, the last one, I, I, I just want to say they really improved the interpolated string handler. It sounds mm. so basic and it is basic. It's pretty fundamental to the language, but they did two things that are really important to me. Uh, they created a new string.create. I guess that's more of a library thing, but C Sharp works really well with it where you can specify the culture. It's mm. really, really important because .NET, by default, when it converts uh, things to strings, it uses the current user interface culture, which, weird, you know, like, what does that even mean? Um, it, the, the, the default is things turn into strings that are human-readable. They're supposed to be human-readable. Problem is, we all like to make things machine-readable. <laughs> and mm. for that, you want to use the invariant culture, usually. Um, it's just the simplest way to make sure things can be read everywhere. You just use the invariant culture. Unfortunately, there wasn't a great way to do that with interpolated strings. Now there is string.create, pass in the culture, pass, and then uh, throw in your interpolated string there. And it will use that culture for all of its formatting. It's really important in serialization. So I'm just happy to see that. Do you know what, another thing that they fixed or improved in .NET 6 and C Sharp 10 with string Ooh. interpolation? Oh, I can name a few more. Uh, Let me just which type. one are you going to do? Let me just type. Uh, okay. With string builders. Okay, so imagine you were using an interpolated string inside of a string builder. Interpolated oh. strings under the hood use string builders, like in the compiled sure. code. So the problem is it would actually allocate a new string builder. So there'd be two <laughs> yeah. string builders. So they fixed it, and now it only allocates one string builder. It's magical. Anyways, fun fact. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, overall, they made it so like anyone can consume these interpolated strings as kind of like expressions. And so you can do your own meta programming on top of that to do basically whatever you want. And I think that's the trick they're using there for the string builder to make it more efficient. Uh, mm -hmm. You can say this very specific type that your function takes. I, I can't remember the name of it, but I've seen people do amazing things with it. They've done like console input using a, um, a formatted string that creates like holes. And so people can just fill in the holes like a Mad Libs style, mm. all from just using um, interpolated strings. It's fun to see the language become powerful like that. 
I agree. I, I didn't explain it well, but it's a really weird hack. And it's really cool. It's yeah. cool when you can do a weird hack like that. That means your language yeah. is powerful. I agree. All right. We got two, even though we're way over time on it. But let's talk about the first one. And then we'll go into the second one because they're the same, but different, but kind of the same. <laughs> um, with .NET 6 came .NET MAUI Preview 10. And in that also came .NET MAUI Blazor integration with the Blazor web view. Now, what this enables you to do is put some Blazor into a .NET MAUI app, like any kind of anywhere. It could be a whole page. It could be a box. It could be a string. We talked about this before. Or you can make your entire Blazor app and shove it into a .NET MAUI app. So you can think of .NET MAUI as the shell, but you still get access to all the native APIs, .NET MAUI essentials. You can kind of break out of the box if you need to. But it also means that sort of some of the web browser stuff just kind of works. So if you just put like an input and say, take a photo, like it'll just, it's a web browser. So it does the thing where it just mm -hmm. takes a photo if you want to, or you could use native integrations too, which is cool. So Maddie and I did a session at this on VS Live uh, and Alon did one at, at Donna Conf on it. And you can think of this as like the third Blazor, right? Because there's Blazor <laughs> server, Blazor WebAssembly, and this sort of sits in the middle because you get all the power of Blazor server without the need for the server. And you get also all the power of Blazor WebAssembly without the need for WebAssembly because .NET is already running inside of a .NET MAUI application, which means that you don't need a server, you don't need WebAssembly, but it works offline and you get all of .NET available to you. So it's really cool. And I'm all in. I think that this is the, this might be the future, Frank. It might be the future. I mean, because can I pitch you a better name? Because I I got this. It's Blazor app, you know. Blazor, Blazor server. Blazor native. Blazor no, hybrid. Blazor app. Blazor app. It's a Blazor app. I wrote a I, Blazor app. I I was thinking about this today, uh, and <laughs> I was in the I was I was sitting around drinking a cup of coffee, and okay. I was thinking about this because I was like, man, I really I'm not a Blazor developer, not a web developer, but like, man, there's a lot of web developers out there, and this could really help them bridge the gap to desktop and mobile in the .NET world. And of course, there's a bunch of other great projects out there so you can do stuff like this. But I was like, man, like Blazor's so cool and I love Blazor. And I saw the stuff that you were doing with Blazor. I was like, man, now Frank could just take that app and shove it in a Maui <laughs> app and then boom, he's got a web app and he's got a mobile app, all this stuff. And we showed at the .NET Conf keynote, the SignalR integration, all this stuff. You got to write that code once. Anyways, it's amazing. So what if when you created a Blazor app, Frank, it said, you know, web progressive web app desktop mobile and it just checked up 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 right and it just created all the projects and did all the things for you and it's amazing yeah i mean i'm gonna try i i wrote i keep mentioning it i wrote this cute little game of a 5000 year old game in blazer and i really like it and i'm totally gonna shove that into an app and into a dotnet 6 app once it's all released i think i think i'm gonna wait that long i might try sooner but um <laughs> just do it just do it uh throw that puppy in an app because I like the Blazor programming model. Mm -hmm. It's a very functional, declarative style of programming that mixes well with other styles of programming. You're not forced into MVVM. You're not forced into MVC. You're not forced into really anything. It feels a lot more like, I keep, sorry, everyone, I keep calling it PHP, but it feels like PHP to me, and I love it for that reason. Um, so I'm totally there for that. And I think it's a small enough app. It'll be a nice little example for me <laughs> to try it all out because I haven't tried building a very large app in it, though I totally think it'll be just fine. But I'm excited to take my simple two or three page app 
and turn it into one of these puppies. Yeah, I agree. Now, I will say this is that with this .NET Maui Blazor hybrid thing, because also there's like this Blazor integration for WinForms and WPF2, you can do kind of do the same thing there. This was actually a feature of another project that we'll talk about in a second after our amazing break. Thanks to our sponsor, SyncFusion. That's right, SyncFusion is back, giving you all the controls for all the things that you need, including Blazor and .MAUI and Xamarin Forms and all the things out there, which means you can use all that stuff together. Like you take that SyncFusion stuff, build your Blazor app with it, and then you can put it in a mobile application and a desktop application, Frank, because it works everywhere. It's amazing. I love SyncFusion because now all of their controls are going to work everywhere with all this cool technology. No matter what you need, they got bajillions controls. They got processors for PDFs and Word docs and Excel. They got all this amazing stuff. So many amazing controls. All you got to do is go to syncfusion.com slash merge conflict to learn more. That is syncfusion.com slash merge conflict. There's a link down in the show notes below. Go check them out. Thanks to our friends over at Syncfusion for sponsoring this week's pod. <laughs> I love those Syncfusion ads. Thank you, Syncfusion. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, right. Well, uh, okay. I, I'm really going to confuse things if I move on to the next topic. You really want to go here? We're going to try this? Yeah. Okay. Imagine, everyone. <laughs> you're writing your mobile app. You're using your XAML. Life is good. But you've also done the Blazor thing, where you've learned how to do like these little at signs that inject expressions into your HTML. It's more like a template thing. And then you use a little code section at the bottom of your Blazor. And you're, you're writing this Blazor code, and you're really enjoying the architecture, how the whole thing works. It's really fascinating. But maybe, like James, you don't exactly love HTML. Maybe you're more of a XAML person. So what if, James, what if you could take the Blazor architecture, the Blazor style of programming, but apply that to XAML mm -hmm. instead of HTML? Yeah. And that's what this is. This is called the Mazer <laughs> Mobile Blazor Bindings. And they are what I think of as very, very exciting in the mobile world. They are an experimental technology. Uh, Maui's not released, and these certainly are not fully released either. But uh, the idea of using the Blazor programming model in an appy app mm -hmm. really entices me. What do you think? Yeah, no, I agree with you. I, I believe in my, I am an MVVM developer, but I believe that MVVM, you know, is nice and it abstracts your code into different things. But I really enjoy the ability to write Blazor code, inject state, write the code at the bottom or in the code behind it, whatever you want to do, right? And just, it's a better way of doing data binding, I think, for most things. Well, what I think would be nice, and, and, I, and I do believe that the mobile bla Blazor bindings does both things. It does the thing that you just said, but it also has the Blazor web view. So there was like, that that yeah. part of that experiment has has grown up out of the experiment in .NET MAUI, right? Which means that you can now take basically Blazor stuff and, sh and HTML stuff and put it in a .NET MAUI app. But this other part, which you're talking about, hasn't. I think it should because then you could pick and choose and say, you have a, a label and a button. You can pick if you want to use bindings. That works great. Or use the Blazor stuff. Or guess what? You're like, I hate XAML and I just want to use HTML. Just use your Blazor stuff. It would be like the most flexible uh -huh. you know, programming. So I, I love it, Frank. I agree with you. I totally forgot about the mobile Blazor bindings because... To me, that could that could just be like a feature of of .NET Maui, right? It, that it supports the the Razor binding syntax. 
Exactly. Exactly. And it's really just a pre-compilation step. Mm -hmm. You know, you're just taking this template language and turning it into code. It's not magic. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. There are fine details. Blazor is a little bit of magic. It's got some great uh, state restoration and things like that. But you nailed it there. Like having the same data model and then being able to choose which UI layer you kind of want to use in that part of the app. Like if it's a if it's a webby thing, use HTML, have fun, use the Blazor style for that. And if it's a more appy thing, you know, you want to use native controls, you want it to feel like native controls, then you could use the the Maui controls for mm-hmm. that, not HTML. I think it would be genius to have both of those together. Problem is, obviously, that's two APIs they have to support. My only hope is that. Blazor slash Razor. A lot of this is built on uh, the Razor engine and how it's able to do a lot of this stuff. Um, it just depends on how generic that code is and how well they can make that work for XAML versus HTML. But I, I would love to see us have both options because I I like HTML. HTML is fine. <laughs> but, but what I really love is the Blazor style of programming. I think that's a good way to write user interfaces, and I would love to be able to apply that to native UIs. Yeah, I agree. I the more I look at the samples, I'm like, mm, I'm gonna go, go speak with Alan next week. That's for sure. I, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, you know, it's like I'm a manager now. I don't know what's up. All I know is that these things are over there. The project's still going. They updated it last month, so it's definitely there. And people, I think, are pretty much using it, which is pretty cool. And yeah. I think the thing with the Blazor mobile bindings that was a little bit complicated was that for every control, even custom controls, you needed like a mobile blazer binding version of it. Yeah, I think that's the thing that was always an issue is like, then you need like a whole nother ecosystem and that, that's too much. So like figuring out how to m- magically mash that, those two things together, uh, I think would be pretty, pretty cool. Like I wonder well, if there's a world where you could not use the like at usings and at inject at top and still have like the code and the, the binding stuff and that would work. That would be kind of nice. Oh, that add at inject and things. Those are just um, IOC container yeah, stuff yeah. like that. That's not necessary. Um, it, it's it's all doable. It's all doable. <laughs> um, I mean, because it's the same problem that like Fabulous has, yeah. uh, Comet has. You're repeating the basic controls. Um, you know, you you need your mobile blazer version you need your comet version you need honestly you need your xaml version you need your which one did i leave off your fabulous version Mm -hmm. (laughs) so we have these four or five different versions of button already they're all eventually going down to i button or i button view to be actually rendered out by the maui engine but i don't feel so bad about having multiple front ends to the same back end renderer that's kind of a part of the design of maui Mm -hmm. I don't know how important it is to their design these days, but I remember in the early days, it was definitely a part of the design. They wanted to support multiple front ends. You know, uh, to I, it. I, I wonder if you're right. I wonder if that's why in the current Xamarin forms, like the handlers are so you know, more complicated than to do a bunch of work. I wonder now if they're like lightweight shims, basically with a new handler model instead of the, you know, custom yeah. renderer model. I, I wonder if it's a whole bunch easier. I know there is a pull request. I'm looking at it here on the mobile blinding, mobile, mobile blah, 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 um, <laughs> to use on Maui. So there is actually one that someone started a pull request, 780 file changes. So uh, oh who knows? Oh boy. <laughs> uh, but that'd be kind of cool if so. That'd be, that'd be yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah. Just a project that definitely deserves some attention. Yeah. And I wish more people were talking about it, honestly. <laughs> All right, Frank, let's talk about C++. 
Let's do it. Let's do it. I, I, okay. Uh, look, originally when I was thinking of this topic, I was like, I just want to complain for five minutes, but I'm going to try to pitch this into a positive way. But James, in a nutshell, I've been working a lot with C++ lately. We, I think we did a whole episode where I talked about, I wrote a C compiler to help out in iCircuit because iCircuit lets you program Arduinos. Arduinos are programmed in C. It's not true. Arduinos are actually programmed in C++. And I've been forcing myself to add C++ features to it. I'm getting tired of writing a C++ <laughs> compiler. So James, I tried to compile Clang, the uh, LLVM C++ compiler. It's a giant C++ code base. And I wanted to give a little state a report on how easy it is to build multi-platform libraries and bindings. You ready for this? What do you think? How, how how easy do you think it's gotten to do bindings to C plus plus libraries? Terrible. I know it's the worst. <laughs> Look, I can't. It's not even the bindings. I can't even get this thing to compile right. <laughs> so I want to first say that uh, uh, Clang uses CMake, which is a very popular make system these days. But as an old cranky person, I have to say I have not seen any real improvements over the old-fashioned make systems. I'm seeing all the same old errors I used to ever get. But I did want to give one shout out, one positive note to CMake, where they've made cross-compiling a tiny bit, wee bit easier than it used to be, especially for us iOS developers, because it's tough now. You got to build simulator versions for ARM64 and x86. You got to build iOS versions for ARM7, ARM64, thankfully no x86. And then you got to build Mac Catalyst versions for x86 and ARM. And it's just becoming so much work to do all that stuff. And although Clang has really improved its support, it's still just a giant bear to do cross-compilation on iOS. Will any of this ever get better, James? That's my question to you. Oh, I don't know. Probably not ever. No. Maybe. I don't know. Well, I don't know. <laughs> there are there are you know, a crazy amount of C++ developers, right, in, in the world. And it's, it's a very popular language. So, and I have to imagine that it would get better to some. Didn't, um, because when you do C++ and like Visual Studio, is that Clang or is that CMake or this Clang, right? No, in Visual Studio, Microsoft has their own compiler. It's Does a it? very, oh, yeah. Visuals, uh, there are like three implementations of C++ <laughs> out there, people, <laughs> because it's that hard of a language to implement. There is Microsoft's Visual Studio compiler called CL. Uh, there is the GNU compiler, GCC. And then there is Clang, which is the LLVM new front end mm. for C++. Well, with 2022, it at least says that you can use, it says, Use MS Build with Microsoft Visual C++ compiler or a third-party tool set like CMake with Clang or Ming 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 Uaw. Yeah. <laughs> um, or more to debug, right? I don't know. Yeah, well, th that's the build system. Oh, so okay. the build system is configurable. But honestly, if if you have Visual Studio, you want to be using Microsoft's compiler. It's pretty mm -hmm. good. Clang is wonderful. LLVM is wonderful. But its biggest thing is that it's open source. And so you can get the mm -hmm. source code to it. So ostensibly, I could compile it and then put it into every version of iCircuit and it would be sitting there. But it's 2022, and these native libraries still aren't compiled for iOS. No one bothers. There's still, there's one Mac build, but it's 
X64. It's not even, you don't get an ARM 64 build or anything like that. So it's still definitely stuck in the 1990s world where mm. everyone's expected to download it and devote half of your life to learning the 8,000 make file settings and all that to getting things compiled. So the C++ world as a full set rep is it's terrible. It's always been terrible and no one in that community ever seems to want to make it better mm. and rant. Hopefully. Thank you. It's been, <laughs> it's been therapeutic. Thank you. Yeah. And if you are a diehard C++ dev, let Frank know how he can improve his life. And let me say, actually, I started programming in C++. So a lot of what I'm saying is tongue in cheek. I do, at one point in my life, I did love the language, but it's just an absolute tragedy these days. I Move. totally started in C++. C++. That was my jam, to be honest yeah. with you. I wrote uh, Dungeon Quest, a text-based adventure with a visual ASCII map. Thank you very much. Nice. That's pretty rad. Um, so uh, then, you know, I, I found that code recently. I totally opened it up in Visual Studio, and it, and it ran just fine, which is ridiculous. Could you save your games? Did it ever sig fault? <laughs> no, 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 it, it, no, it saved, it saved, it saved, the, it saved like uh, to, to disc, I think. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, I wish I could play my old games. I found a whole box of old floppy disks. I don't think I could ever I, A, read them, B, compile them. I have a bag of floppy disks. And I remember that before I left college, I put all my floppy disks into the, the machine. So I was like, I bet I'm never going to have, or I bought like a floppy disk reader to USB. And sure enough, I, I, I backed up everything onto my, Dropbox at the time or whatever it was or Google yeah. Drive at the time and, and it's just like a, a you know a three megabyte zip file with like all my code <laughs> on it you know what I mean so it's there but the I do still have the floppies I I, I didn't I, what's floppies uh shelf life you know that that's I'm I'm half afraid to buy the drive only to find out none of the floppies actually read yeah. because I think I was told back in the day like 10 to 20 years and it's been over 10 to 20 years for most of these for me yeah magnetic media sitting in a box pressed against a bunch of other magnetic media i don't have the highest hopes <laughs> let's talk about twitter frank oh all right we're going from one classic 90s invention to a classic <laughs> 20 aughts <laughs> invention yeah. okay uh, what is twitter doing now what did they do james well tw twitter has been putting out stuff and they're finally available here in america's uh there's oh. Three new things. One's been out for a while. The newsletter integration, because they bought Review, which is the the newsletter software I use, surprisingly. And it went oh. to, from being paid to being free, which is really nice. If you need a free newsletter, it's built right in. And there's a newsletter section. And if you go to my profile, Frank, I'll show you a few new things. There's a newsletter there, and you can subscribe with one click. And then when I tweet about a newsletter and you click on it, it will also recommend that you subscribe through Twitter magically, which is kind of cool. So it's, it's kind of nice. I got to say, this is the most Silicon Valley thing I've ever heard in my life. Um, I'm not seeing the link, unfortunately, to subscribe to your newsletter. There's a big button that says subscribe. Fascinating. I don't get it. You must have to be logged into Twitter. Oh, <laughs> yeah, probably. Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Newsletters. I still get your newsletter, but you're the only newsletter I get. And it's right. Uh, there is a giant newsletter i can start reading it right now and you have a lot of subscribers congratulations thanks they're mostly uh, not from this twitter subscribe button they're mostly been there for a while ago but that's not the exciting feature frank that's a boring okay, feature good. two okay. new ones twitter <laughs> for professionals and twitter blue okay let's break down twitter for professionals because see on my profile see how it says science and technology 
Oh, that's very Twitch of you. Yeah, I gotcha. You you have a little suitcase next to you, so you must be a traveling science and technologist. I do. I I, I picked a category. There, you can pick a category, and my ca- there's categories like, are you a marine? Are you in education and restaurant? Are you in real estate or stuff? I think it's mostly there's there's two options. Like you can pick between uh, a business or a personal account. So like, are you a person that like tweets about this thing? Um, X, Y, Z. And I'm sure they're going to do something with it. Like it just shows up and you can hide it if you want, but I'm, I'm going to leave it there in case you're interested. Oh, what does this person do? So there's a bunch of categories, like 80 categories there. But the cool part is that once you enable that thing uh, in your profile, you can also like, you know, pick topics to follow, but you can also easily promote tweets. So I, un, actually, funnily enough, I'm logged in and underneath every single one of my tweets, there's a promote button, which allows oh. me to pay money to promote that. So it's kind of like, are you a, are you, do you want to, but kind of an, not an influence, but a creator, a creator space, you know, it, it gives you kind of like a, a notch. Like I'm, I'm still not a blue check mark, right? I'm not a mm-hmm. blue, there is a Twitter blue now, but I'm not a blue Twitter blue check mark. I'm not verified no do i ever want to be verified i'm against it i think that interesting uh, verification not needed for me i don't mm-hmm. need it i'm not i'm not i'm not that cocky frank well this this definitely sounds like more of a corporate thing like this is yes. what i should be doing for all my apps so all my app twitter accounts yes. should have this and they should be in the right category especially because mm-hmm. that's where you do your promoted tweets from except that's not totally true i almost prefer to use their little tweet generator and their little advertising area on the twitter yes. So for um, example, for merge conflict, I have now chosen podcast. Interesting. Yes. Interesting. Now, would we be a business or a creator? A business best fits brands, hmm. retail shops, service providers, organizations, and a creator is best for public figures, artists, and influencers. I think business, right? I thought I thought we were artistic influencers, man. All right, I'll do What's that. Right? <laughs> I'll do that. Come on, man. Um, yeah, so there we go. Now we are up, now on Merge Conflict. It says podcast. See, that's cool. You're right. There's application as well. So boom. So that's cool. Yeah. I like it, right? It's like, this is a person. This is a thing. I don't know. That, that's nice. It's a nice little thing. It's funny because like you, you go to people's profiles and I never know what I'm actually looking to see when I read someone's profile because they're mm-hmm. usually trying to make a joke or do something like uh, yours is you can see the pain in my laugh. It's yeah. funny because it mentions comedy but like it doesn't really tell me anything about you so at least there's a small hint here oh and he likes suitcases and science and technology yes Great. i i used to i right before that i was listening to some juice world uh songs so that there was a line from one of his songs recently although juice world's passed away so it was from a first previously um that came out now but i used to have like a bunch of like links and then my live love laugh and code but then i was like i don't know, like you just there's like a link already there from my website so it's good enough so i agree with you i don't know what's supposed to be there what's on franks i don't follow you so oh i please don't read that one out loud i was already just embarrassing you frank so. Krueger, app developer so you did the, yeah this is good yeah this is great absolutely you should use emojis though iCircuit 3d oh. iCircuit app continuous codes calca app stat dev podcast or merge conflict.fm that's us I'm actually running out of room. I got to stop writing apps. I'm not, yes. I don't have any more room to add links to there. I, I needed to stop going to new like social things. Like I had on there, like our podcast, YouTube, Twitch, yeah. all these, these things. And it was like too yeah. much. All right. Last thing, Frank, here we go. Ready? Twitter blue. This is the big, the big one. 
You I pay money. It, you pay money to Twitter. So please tell me this is what I want. What I want, James, because especially Twitter lately has been every other tweet is a paid promotion. I do love paid promotions. I should mm-hmm. say that. But I don't want to see any more of them ever again. And I'm also a weirdo that I don't run an ad blocker. I guess mm-hmm. like I do not humans run ad blockers. I don't know why I don't. Part of me likes the pain of the Internet to come through. I want to feel it in its raw, terrible form. Uh, but that also means I see a lot of Twitter ads. So is there a legit way I can get rid of the Twitter ads? Please tell me that's what this Twitter blue thing is. For two ninety nine a month, Frank, one coffee a month, you can do the following. You can undo a tweet, Frank. You can undo it. Oh, well, I oh. Okay, uh, so that's unsend, I guess. That is unsend. Why do so they what call it, it undo? Because what they do is they do the little countdown timer. Gmail has this feature too, where it has a countdown right. timer. So it's delaying the post basically. But that's in there. But here it is. Three news feed features. Number one, ad-free articles. It says enjoy an ad-free reading experience and cross a network of US-based popular publishers, not including paywall access. Actually, I don't know what that is. Ad-free articles? That seems like not think, what it is, what you nope, want. Nope, they're not giving me what I want. Everyone's Ad-free doing articles. news articles. Everyone's trying to syndicate news companies what is, these what days. Is that? What? Oh. I, I, that almost, yeah, I think it's syndication, right? That's like, oh, there's a Wall Street Journal article, and then I click on it. Well, you know you don't click on Wall Street Journal articles. It's a paywall. But then this <laughs> you don't one click says, on New York oh. Times. You don't click on Seattle. <laughs> Wait, so okay, so this is uh, uh, Como News, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Como News is Seattle local news. It's not worth it, people. I'm out. Okay. Do uh, any other features? Okay. Top top articles easily easily see the most shared articles in the network over the last 24 hours. Reader turn long threads into more beautiful reading experiences. I don't know what that means. That sounds cool. Okay. Uh, okay, we got customize your experience bookmark folders, organize your book f- bookmarks into folders and avoid endless scrolling. I don't know about They're that. They're not taking away ads. Nope. These are all Pro Plus Deluxe features yeah, as far cu- as I can tell. Custom navigation. You can set your most used pages right on your tab bar. That's an iOS feature. App theme. You can choose a new theme on iOS. App icons. You can use different app icons. <laughs> um, pinned conversations. Swipe to pin your favorite conversation to the top of your direct message inbox. These just seem like features they should be are in there. Itemized. Yeah, they are just making you pay for features. This is genius. This, this goes right with our uh, opening topic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they are really just doing the uh, Pro Plus Deluxe version of Twitter. Yeah. Fascinating because there are other Twitter clients out there that just do a lot of this. Yeah. You know, TweetDeck was famous for doing all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Remember back in the early mobile days when we all wrote Twitter clients? Wasn't oh, yeah. that fun? Oh, yeah. Do you ever write jam. one? Oh, yeah. I had that was literally like one of my original demos for for forever. Good. Yeah, yeah. there was a, a, a link to tweet or whatever tweet to link and which enabled you to just uh, use link query based Twitter aggregations. Oh. So you can just like make stuff. It was really cool. Yeah. Love it. Love it. I think every app, every UI app developer has to write a weather app, a Twitter app, maybe RSS. an email app. If the, yeah, exactly. It's a, some kind of podcast or RSS. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, that's what uh, that's what we always did with the Twitter. We just did the RSS feeds. Yeah, because that, that was an Elcar's reader. Even there you go. yeah, there you go. <laughs> it had these features. <laughs> yeah, these features. 
All right, Frank, we did it. All the topics totally went over time, but it was amazing. We love every single one of you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can, of course, go to mergeconflict.fm. You can join our Patreons, our which will get exclusive podcasts ahead of time and bonus episodes. You can join our Discord. You can uh, tweet at us now. You can tell that we're a podcast that says podcast on our profile. And you can also email us. There's a contact button, and we read those. And maybe next, in, in nine episodes from now, on 290, we will read your recommendation for a topic, or we'll just do a whole podcast on it. Let us know right in mergeconflict.fm. But that's going to do it for this week's podcast. So until next time, I'm James Magno. And I'm Frank Krueger. Thanks for listening. Peace. Peace.